What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. Yesterday, we talked with uh, Dr. Erin Hassler and her crew about being a single AT mom. We continue the celebration of International Women's Day coming up on March 8th and National Athletic Training Month for March, where we celebrate athletic trainers by speaking with some really good, experienced athletic trainers and really experienced moms. So Carrie, Kelly, and Val are all somewhere in their 20th year of being an athletic trainer. So they all have got 20 plus years of being an athletic trainer. And then obviously we'll hear more about their families. So we can hear, you know, Carrie's got a 22 year old, I think, and a 19 year old. So she's got somewhere around 20 plus years of experience as a parent as well. And we'll hear more about that in just a second. So if I was married to an athletic trainer, we would not have three kids and a foster daughter. So it'd be interesting just to hear how you ladies do this, how you are able to be involved, be active. And then there's another question that kind of came up from our pre-conversation with Carrie. So I'll get to that in just a second. I am Jeremy Jackson, host of the Sports Medicine Broadcast, and this one is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash ATMOMS, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash ATMOMS. The question that kind of came up was, or, or Carrie, you said something about like, I kind of feel insufficient compared to the ones yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I listen, I wanted to give props to those ladies yesterday who were on the single moms. Oh my gosh, listening to their stories about having to take their kids to work. And, you know, I thought, gosh, nothing compared to what they, you know, accomplished. That's pretty cool. So I want to I want to come back to that after we hear about your family and get your kind of your intro, and just know, uh, is that something that is like persistent with AT moms or with moms in general? Um, and and then there's you know what can we do to help say hey I am enough like just because their situation was harder doesn't make me any any less. So I think that's a big situation like talking with talking with Sarah you know having the imposter or whatever it is syndrome or just like feeling like you're not enough or you you know especially with Instagram lifestyle now, just, okay, well, I'm not doing enough because I'm only seeing one second of their 24 hours, right? So we want to talk about that coming up. But Val, Ms. Moody, um, sorry, Dr. Valerie Moody, can you give us an intro to your family? Tell us kind of what your athletic trainer story is. Sure. Um, so my name is Val Moody and I currently work at the University of Montana. I'm the program director for our master's in athletic training program and uh, director of the Montana Youth Sports Safety Institute. Um, a little bit of background about my athletic training journey. Um, it began at Northern Colorado as an undergraduate student and then uh, I worked uh, in Nebraska for my master's work and then um, Decided to come back to Colorado, live in the mountains for several years. I did a fellowship at the Stedman Clinic and then stayed on to play in the snow and get some great work experience uh, living in the mountains right at the base of the ski hill. So lots of injuries there. And then decided uh, to trade the mountains for the beach and headed to South Florida and followed my mentor down there and worked with her for three years at the University of South Florida, and then decided to move back to the mountains. And that's where I've been for the last 15 years. Um, met my husband out in Montana, and it's kind of a funny story. We actually went to high school together, and we graduated in the same class. We knew of each other, 
but um, actually never spoke to each other in high school. And we reconnected 17 years later and went on a date, got married two years later. And we've been married for 10 years and we have two children. Um, my son, RJ, is 10 and my daughter, Addie, uh, is eight. You grew up in Colorado? Yeah, between Kansas and Colorado. Yep. Okay. So how did y'all meet in Nebraska? So yeah, I went to high school in um, in Colorado. And so then we, when I moved to Montana, he had just moved to Montana as well. And so he was living in a different part of the state and we actually just reconnected through friends on social media. And he was traveling through Missoula for work. And so we met up and that was it. So it was kind of cool that uh, it was funny. We, we joke in high school, we would never have dated and never been around each other. <laughs> but 17 years later, it's worked. So. All right, Carrie, what is your family looking like? Well, like you said, I have a almost 22 year old. She's into this month. She'll be 22. And my son is 19, graduated last year. And my husband, we've been married ooh, 23 years and uh, we met here. I graduated, uh, worked at a high school over in the metro area for a year and then wanted to, I grew up in the mountains like you Val and wanted to get back to a city that was smaller and had the outdoor activities that I like. So I took the job here and met my husband here and, and we made this our home. Don't wanna leave, love it here. All right, Kelly. Yeah, so um, I was born and raised in Michigan, did college in Michigan, um, went to Grand Valley State on the west side of the state, um, moved back to the east side, which is where I was born and raised. Um, met my husband, he actually coached football at the uh, very first high school gig I got out of college through a contract with the hospital I worked for. Um, we started dating, we've been married now for, it'll be 23 years this summer. Um, and I have a 21 year old son, Ryan, and a almost 20 year old son, Josh. So um, I've been a athletic trainer either through a hospital or in a secondary school where I'm at now. So mostly high school coverage, but um, you know, met my husband through uh, working, which was kind of kind of fun and, and cool. Anytime we have like a family gathering or something like that, you know. So typically on Sundays, uh, we with my wife's family, so her, like her parents and her brother and her sister and then their spouses and kids that kind of thing and so almost at least once a month there's somebody like hey uh my shoulder hurts or hey man my, my hand really hurts or like oh what do you think this is right and i know since you have uh i would say more years of experience with me as an at and then i know kelly that you're from a small school where your husband was a coach and your kids went to that school um things like that so tell me some of the experience experiences that you've had with being the family medical expert, just random stuff you've gotten, you know, calls to midnight or, hey, mom, we were at this party and somebody got hurt. Can you, can you help us out? Kind of thing like that. Who's got a story to start us off? I think um, just kind of a funny uh, intro into that is um, now that our kids are away at college, one of us sleeps with our cell phone on, which is something we haven't done like in the bedroom with us, just in case a call comes through. And I have made it very clear that needs to be my husband's phone because I have kids who um, will call me at one, two in the morning after evenings of drinking or whatever who have fallen, who think that I can be their like 
emergent care. So I had a kid who literally fell down the stairs and chose to call me in the middle of the night, like thinking, I mean, he was a couple hours away. I obviously didn't get the call, didn't return the call till the next day, but I'm thinking, I, I can't help you right now. Like you needed to go to the hospital and see a doctor. And so it's just, I think once you become that person, whether it's for your family or for the kids you serve in school or wherever you're at, you kind of are always that person. I, I was on a, a bus trip home from a football game, so it was probably after midnight because we travel a long ways to go to our football games. And and I got and so it's all quiet on the bus. Everybody's sleeping. And I got a phone call from a group of um, former athletes who were in college and drinking and somebody's same story. And they're all yelling and it's loud music. And I'm like, you guys, I'm on the football bus. You know, you need to leave me alone. <laughs> But yeah, it's a bit funny how, but I, I love the fact that they feel comfortable enough to yes. call me and, and uh, want to hear my advice. And then one other story I have, when I first moved here, um, I was in a, uh, in a school golf tournament they were doing just for fun. And a gal who's my best friend now has been my friend this whole time. I think this was even before we had kids, but we were riding the golf cart cart in this golf tournament and um, there was drinking involved also, but she fell off the golf cart when we went around a corner, she was kind of standing on the top on the side of it and um, ended up breaking her fifth metatarsal head. And I did not diagnose that at the time because she was our best golfer. And I'm like, you're fine. Just get up. We need you to tee off. You know, <laughs> we need you in this tournament. There's only a couple holes left. You're fine. You know, and totally just didn't even hardly evaluate or anything. And, and to this day, they still give me crap about that. Every time anybody gets hurt in our circle of friends or family, they're always like, oh, just don't ask Carrie. She'll just say, you're fine. Tee off. <laughs> so you cannot screw up if you <laughs> evaluate friends and family. That is for sure. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I think just to add to that, it's uh, I think it's pretty cool that, that they do develop that trust enough. Um, a lot of the questions, you know, I get them from my family, which I'm sure most of us do. But then, um, you know, just working with our students, a lot of times it's questions about their parents' health or their significant other's health. Um, our parents that we work with, with our, their student athletes are asking us questions. So I just think that's a really cool part of what we do, um, being able to offer that advice and get them connected with the appropriate resources in the community. So, yeah. Um, just to add to that, not quite the question, but um, I was able to provide athletic training care to my kids um, when they started in Little League and then through high school, they went to the high school I worked at. So I have a son at college now who got injured a week ago Friday. Um, and while I completely trust his athletic trainer and I, I've seen her work and the staff there, it's really hard to then not be the person who gets to do that too. He actually cut me off on the phone. He's like, mom, way too many questions. Like it's being handled here, like enough. And I'm like, okay. So it's also when you're used to being that person and suddenly not that person, it's a, it's a new, a new thing. Well, it's also, it's hard to, when you evaluate, I, the same, both my kids were athletes at my school and it, it's hard to evaluate your own kid because you, you don't know if you're thinking as a mom and you're worried about it or if, you know, it, it is, it's a different dynamic for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was so proud of my daughter. I had one, one of my favorite pictures was as she was a cheerleader and at state cheerleading competition, she had a um, sprained ankle 
which was had color on it so you know it was purple and so i was back um getting her ready taping her up for uh, the state cheer competition and so i'm taping her her purple ankle up and she also has a black eye because she was a base and somebody had come down and, and pretty sure broke her nose we never looked at it, but had a black eye and nose from that and i'm like you know i'm so proud of you right now this could be my proudest moment here you are <laughs> black eye purple ankle <laughs> moving forward at a girl <laughs> they had no choice they always laughed about that like you know oh if there's an my, my husband's a paramedic and so they figured if if they weren't dying or blood gushing out or unconscious they had to keep moving <laughs> that's definitely an extra level because you know with with my wife she's like oh well we'll have jeremy take a look at it and so then you're like okay well mom or dad both of them are medical professionals that are essentially saying get back in there and play so yeah <laughs> suck it up yeah no, no it tend to be there. rougher on my own kids too like I was definitely more pushing them to get back in than mm -hmm. you know other people's children you don't have to tread as lightly you're like listen you're fine let's go like get back in there well it's hard too because when when they're athletes you you know I hate to you know, sometimes we talk to coaches about kids who aren't being very tough or, you know, and then it's your kid and you're like, um, yeah, <laughs> you don't want them to think that you're babying them as the mom. But yeah, yeah it's, it's a tough, uh, tough dynamic sometimes when your own kids are your athletes. So what are some of the ways that y'all have balanced that with making sure your kid knows that they're safe, just like you want to do with all your athletes, making sure your kid is healthy but also making sure that you're not babying them in that way. So what are some of the ways that you two have balanced that? In my situation, so uh, part of our program, uh, we have an outreach program. We provide medical care to our youth hockey team and our junior hockey team. And like I said, we're a hockey family. Um, and so both of my kids play, my husband plays, and then um, I play, I try anyway. But um on the days that I am there, like for my own kids, particularly, there is a second athletic trainer. Um, and so usually if my kids are injured or there's a concern, I'll have him look at my kids, um, which is nice to have that support and they can work with him. And it kind of takes me out of the picture as the AT and then I can just be mom, which is nice. Um, and then uh, you know, my husband is also a coach, so it also takes that dynamic out of the picture um, that they can communicate about our health needs for the kids. So I think our situation that's really worked well for us. Um, it's different if we're traveling and then I am you know, providing the medical care for the team while we're traveling, uh, then I do have to make some of those decisions. But thankfully, for the most part, we've been able to have uh, an outside expert come in and, and help us navigate that. So yeah, for me, we haven't, I mean, I'm the only person that provides coverage at our school. So I definitely had to do the evaluating. And I would say, um, like with anything, you get more comfortable and better over time. So, you know, uh, through the years, just like we do with our student athletes, um, you get to know your kids and you know their personality and you know how they handle pain and, and you know, some different things. Um, I definitely didn't hesitate to utilize um, at least the physician there, like on game days, just to kind of take another look if it was during a contest and kind of make sure. But um, 
I think with anything, as you do it more, you get you get better at even evaluating your own kid and how you communicate. My husband as well, um, you know, coached their teams as well. And so um, while I never felt like either one of us, you know, necessarily pushed him back in or pulled him back out or whatever. I mean, I do, as I look, can look back through the years and think, you know, I think they, they got the same treatment as everybody else did. Um, but I, I think over time as, as our kids grew and matured, we kind of learned um, how best to treat and, and you know, encourage them and, and make them feel safe. Yeah, the hardest one for me was my son was a wrestler. And so my contract was, I didn't travel with our wrestling team, but when when my son was wrestling, I wanted to go to all the tournaments. And so it was really, I would tell the coach, okay, I'm going to sit in the stands. Obviously I would always take my med kit with me because you know how that is. When, once you're an athletic trainer everywhere, you're an athletic trainer. So you, you can't not do it, but I would say, I'm not going to be down on the mat unless something happens, you know, look up and I'll come help you. But um, I want to be a mom and watch, but it was hard at tournaments to just, you know, I just wanted to go and just watch and have nothing to do with being an athletic trainer. I just wanted to be a mom, but you can't, you just can't do that when it's, you know, you, when you're with your team, which is fine. I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but. So I think that's a great point, Carrie, because I, I literally was having this thought just this last weekend. Um, we had our state tournament and it was across the state and on our way back. I was like, I just wonder if there's ever a time that I'm going to attend a competition and just be mom. Like, no, I just, you have to hide. <laughs> well, even also, youth sports when they were growing up playing youth sports, I was just like, oh, I got so tired of it. And this, this is going to sound like I'm so selfish, but I, I would get tired of, you know, coaches from who I happen to know from other, you, you know, you'd be at a football, you know, fifth grade football, there's multiple games going on. I'm just like, I'm just here to watch my kid. I just I don't want to have to go to another field and look at another fifth, some kid that I don't know, you know, but you do it because that's who we are. And, you know, and I don't think that sounds selfish at all. I mean, I think you're absolutely <laughs> right. Like you should get to be mom. Yeah. I would say to you, Val, it's like, um, I finally get to do that now in college because I'm not even allowed on the college field it's really hard to sit still and watch from the stands. I've never had to do that. I mean, it's a whole different vantage point of yeah. the game. And then when something does happen, my instinct, so it's just like, my husband's like, just sit, like stay, you know, like you're okay. But it, it, and now I enjoy it, but it was hard. Like, you know, just sitting still and watching. Treating your kids is obviously a pretty cool experience. What do you feel like are some of the best moments of being an athletic trainer and a mom. I can speak to that working at a secondary school, um, raising my kids in that high school, basically, you know, my son got when they're old enough to care for themselves or have, you know, or my husband was there or whatever. Um, my son was the water boy, the bat boy, the ball boy for every sport, you know, was always involved And my daughter. She always liked cheerleading. So she was always a pro, you know, sitting across on the first row bench watching the cheerleaders and had multiple babysitters but having them um raised as panthers you know that that was a huge huge thing for them we opened a new school in our town several years ago and i remember we had the kids were getting close to going into high school age and and having that conversation with them you know what what do you, should we 
you know, looking at, should we switch over to the new school? They built a brand new athletic training facility that I got to, you know, help design. And it was kind of exciting. And, and uh, the kids were like, mom, no, the Redmond Heights, that's our, that's our home. That's where we grew up. We're comfortable there. We want to stay there. And I was like, you know, you're right. That, that it's definitely, but yeah, having the kids be able to be involved and, and grow up in your profession. And, and I was telling these guys earlier, one of my favorite pictures was, uh, after a football game on the field when my daughter was in high school she was a cheerleader and my son I think he must have been in seventh or eighth grade was the ball boy and so all of us in our Redmond gear him holding the ball and out on the football field after a win that's one of my favorite favorite pictures of you know just being a family involved in your community and your school and your profession is pretty cool but then I also think one of my stories <laughs> when my daughter was she must have been an eighth grader, but she'd been coming around, you know, the kids been coming around on Saturdays for things and all the athletes knew who the kids were. And then summer happened and maybe she hadn't been around for a while. And, and it was a, I can't remember what day it was, but she came in with me and she was sitting in the chair in the training room and some of the varsity players came in. And I remember one of the boys doing one of these like she grew up over summer and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's time for her not to be around here anymore. All of a sudden she's a pretty little lady. She's not a little girl anymore. And the boys are looking at her. It's time for me not to have her around, lay down the law with these boys. <laughs> I think for me, very similar. Um, the, the high school I started at where I met my husband and I worked at and he worked at, you know, when we had our kids was the same high school he graduated high school with. So it was his hometown. Um, and so, you know, having the pictures of the boys there and the gear and all of those things. Um, but as they got older, um, the role models they saw in so many of the high school kids that really shaped them. So one of the, there was a set of brothers, similar age as my boys, but obviously well ahead, much older than them. And they really, um, mentored my boys would come to birthday parties, all those things. And now they're getting ready to be parents. And I can look back and just see that, um, you know, just uh, coaches and, and students in your high school and how they can be such great role models through a variety of things, you know, like getting over injuries and, and dealing with losses and all of those things. Um, they were really great role models. Um, and, and so like having those pictures, same thing and, and all of those things. And now seeing my boys as the older kids um, come back and mentor like uh, coaches, young children, you know, on the field and stuff like that and kind of be their role models. So it's just a neat like circle, which I really appreciate. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's good memories for the older kids as well. I, you know, I still have kids say, oh, remember when? you know, Riley was little and we did this and, you know, and same, we had a cheerleader birthday party where the varsity cheerleaders came over for my daughter's birthday and did stunts with, the, you know, just things like that. And, and they still, the older kids, like you said, now have their own families and they still talk about that. So yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. Yeah. Mine would be similar. I think just, you know, keep my kids involved in what I do. They, they've been on campus since they were babies. So um, just making them part of my day-to-day -day routine so we can spend more time together. And, um, you know, they've been in the classroom and they are great pediatric patients for our students. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they, 
they're well-versed in athletic training. You know, it's funny that, you know, they can, they help me teach CPR classes to the community and they can tell people what to do. And it's great. <laughs> All right, Carrie, I want my sons to go to the high school I work at. So with that comes the dating question. So you kind of mentioned that there, the boys were checking out your daughter. So how do you handle being a mom, a teacher, uh, athletic trainer, dating, like keeping, you know, allowing these other random high school kids over to your house. How do you handle that? Um, yeah, it, 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 it's fine for me. Cause I know everything. Um, <laughs> it's probably ask my kids. They probably hated it, but yeah. Um, you hear everything every time kids, you know, when the kids are in high school, the other kids will come in. Did you know that so-and-so asked her out on a date? You know, I mean, they'll, the other kids tell you everything, even if your kids don't, but, um, and it is tough because you, you know, I think that you know more about kids than sometimes your own kids know. And so, you know, when they want to date somebody or something, you, you can kind of be like, mm -hmm, you know, <laughs> or know who, you know, so, I mean, it's good to know. It's good to know a little bit more about the kids who your own kids want to date or hang out with or do things with on the weekends. Cause, and the other part of that is sometimes, you know, always when I needed a babysitter growing up, if I didn't know, um, kids well enough you could always go to your dean of students and say hey look up this kid's record is there anything <laughs> can they date my daughter or or can they babysit my kids when they're younger you know that kind of thing so it, it, it's a good dynamic that you know a lot about the other kids but it's also sometimes you just sometimes I wish I didn't know some of the stuff you know and just let my own um, kiddos navigate that and learn about people that way but um, and I didn't have already built-in opinions about people but but yeah absolutely it, it, it was good for me but not great for my own children probably because <laughs> they they didn't get away with anything <laughs> well i would assume that your 10 and 8 year olds aren't dating yet and that's not an issue with your college students but kelly what no. do you what do you thoughts there yeah i would agree i mean i think it's a you know it's a double-edged sword um i would say as i look back now that they've been out of high school a couple of years uh there was definitely more benefit than than difficulty. And I think even my kids now would look back and say, there was so much that they, um, so much benefit that they kind of got by having me in the building and, um, you know, me knowing staff members and different things that they would even say, you know, there was more good than bad. Um, my philosophy in athletic training and how I've always been, even before I had kids is I'm, I mean, I'm very relationship driven. And so, um, I continued that even when my kids were in school. Um, and so much like you, you hear things and stuff. And I kind of had to set some boundaries as I became friends, not only, um, you know, with staff members, but then you become friends with who your kids are hanging out with their parents. And so mm -hmm. there's that like fine line. And so we kind of had a, a very minor incident where some kids were watching a movie um, that maybe they shouldn't have been watching. And I kind of mentioned it to the one mom. Um, in passing, not really thinking anything of it, it kind of blew up into a big thing. And so I, I would then tell the kids like, listen, what you tell me is, is safe with me unless you're going to do something that's going to harm you or be foolish. And so I had to kind of even keep my own, um, communication in check to make sure I wasn't crossing over that because 
obviously I'm not friends with every kid's parent. And so I just, I wanted to respect that boundary. Um, but I would say there's just nothing, um, there was nothing more valuable as a parent in being able to get to know my kids' friends the way I did. And yes, dating mm -hmm. happened and breakups happened and my kids got in trouble in school and all of that could be very, very awkward, but um, really nothing more valuable. I think I had a, a different viewpoint of things and that helped both in my relationship with my kids and you know with their friends and other students. All right, so let's go back to the question I kind of opened up with, the feeling that this that I'm not enough. And I don't know, have you struggled with this? What are some some of the ways you've dealt with this? What would you say to somebody who is uh, struggling or dealing with this as well? Val, can you start us off? Yeah, I think um, I think it's probably normal for all of us to feel that at some point. And I think with you know just the presence of social media in our lives, that it's easy to fall into that trap um, because you know we just see snippets of people's lives and not really what's going on, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I think for myself, um, just, you know, trying to remember that you, every day you just try your best and you do your best and you're not going to be perfect and just having a good network of support for yourself. Um, I think I've been really lucky that I've got some great role models, um, professionally and personally that, you know, I can reach out to if, if I am having any, um, doubts or concerns as a mother um, and as a professional. And I think one thing that I've been fortunate um, in, just within my position, having another um, faculty member who is also uh, raising children similar age to mine and so we can share those experiences. And um, I just said, we've navigated parenthood together basically from raising our children. So. I think, you know, my biggest advice to somebody is if you're feeling that way is to, to reach out to uh, another peer or colleague or a friend or family member and, and just, you know, have that open relationship and, and build that support so that you, you feel supported in the process because rarely does anything ever go the way you think it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. Mom guilt is a, a real thing for sure. It, I am. Um, yeah. Kelly, you probably, I miss a lot of my, sons and daughters competitions when they were in middle school and younger because I you know they would play in the afternoon and that was right when I was you know in the in the mix of things at, at the high school and so yeah it, it, it's tough it's being you know when they were babies being at, late at football games and you know my husband did a lot of the nighttime routines with the bathing and feeding and putting them to bed because I would get home late but definitely there were struggles. We've been talking a lot about the, all the good things, but yeah, definitely were struggles. Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, not every day is, is great. I love what you said, Val, just about reaching out. Um, I think so often it's hard to be vulnerable and just reach out and say, Hey, I'm struggling with this, or this is really what I'm feeling and naming it. Um, and, and I think just to add to that, it's really important that 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 you find someone you can actually have a conversation with. I mean, social media is great to put out how you're feeling and stuff like that, but um, I think that face-to-face -face verbal conversation with someone that you can be vulnerable with and say, hey, like, I just, I don't feel like I'm measuring up here, you know, and, and someone being able to say like, hey, I think that's a lie you're you're listening to. Let me see how you, what I see in you, you know, um, 
and kind of working through that, I think uh, it just renders those those feelings we're having, it, it gives them less power once we acknowledge it and, and verbally speak it. And so I think it's so important, like you said, to have, you know, your coworker who's also raising, you know, children or whoever that is. I just think it's important to be able to have someone that you can have that conversation with. All right. So what are some of the ways that me as a dad or me as an athletic trainer or a coworker or a colleague can help and encourage moms that they are enough, that what you're doing is there, but also to build those relationships to connect and to be intentional. What are some of the ways that you feel like I can do that? I think as a husband, right? So speaking to maybe guys who are married to um, moms who are athletic trainers, um, I think trying to um, just understand the profession and the schedule. I had a student this past fall, um, you know, who was in a relationship. Um, she was a master's student. I was her preceptor and she was in a pretty serious relationship. And it was constant that her boyfriend was like, I, and, and again, it's not that this isn't okay, but it was like, you said seven o'clock, you said you'd be done at seven at seven fifteen. have you left? You know, it's that kind of thing. And I was able to say like, Hey, um, if secondary school or collegiate is what you're looking for, like the schedule is like a little ebb and flow. So I think as, as a, as a partner or as a, a husband or a dad, it's, it's understanding the nature of, um, what we do and, and what our schedules may look like at sometimes. And that doesn't mean as a, as a partner, as a dad, you can't say at one point, like, Hey, you know, I need you to make this a priority. Like I understand that, but just in general, understanding it and supporting the fact that that's kind of the ebb and flow of athletic training in, in that field. There's no, no set hours. That is one of the goods and bads of the profession in yeah. this setting for sure. And the childcare to... provider, finding a childcare provider who doesn't say, I'm going to charge you for every minute after five o'clock that you're not here. You have to find somebody who understands yeah. the setting well that I don't know when I'll be there and I don't know if I can call you right at that moment and tell you I'm going to be late you know yeah and just to piggyback just also as the husband or, or the partner or the dad also encouraging them but in a in a gentle way that kind of empowers them to put boundaries on if that's necessary because I think that's you know one of the questions you had written Jeremy down the road is like why do moms feel like they have to either be an AT or a mom and part of that is how we've um, you know, encompass the profession for so many years is like, you have to be available 24 seven and you can't say no. And so we're working on that. And so as a dad and a partner too, if, if you feel like there needs to be some advocation for some boundaries, do that in kind of a gentle supportive way, as opposed to like, well, you go tell your boss, you can't work, you know, kind of a thing. I jokingly say this, but there is uh, definitely some truth to it, but maybe caffeine supply. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> too, but yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of the same uh, saying as growing up or being a mom and raising your kids and not being in a, it's kind of like what's going on right now. I've said to so many teachers and, and at home moms right now, it's like, we're all doing the best we can and we don't know how to do any, you know, quit trying to, to be perfect and everything because everybody's just we're, we're just trying to get through and we're all doing the best we can and that's all you have to just keep remembering you know yeah and remember i mean the kids don't know 
you know, the kids, our kids yes. still love their moms, no matter, you know, they don't know any difference. So, um, you know, they still love you no matter what, even though we have that extreme guilt and think we're not doing a good enough job. They, they don't know any better. They love it. <laughs> so Matea Barber was watching online and said, Hey, thanks for um, sharing your stories and things like that. So Matea, thanks for joining us. Um, but similar to what you're saying, like the, there's actually with dads, there's guilt too. So my oldest son is a hey, dad. I love you. You're the best. And, most of the time I think of myself to, in my head, like, no, I'm not like, like, why do you say that? Or, you know, like if you only knew all this stuff that I messed up. Right. And so it's not just moms that have this. So, you know, I admit like I, I'm pretty self-confident. I'm pretty, uh, I don't know if arrogant is the right word, but like, I'm, I'm pretty self-confident. I'm, I'm co really comfortable with who I am. But when it comes to him saying, dad, you're the best, so many times I'm like, son, I'm not. I, I just, I wish I was more patient. I wish I was more understanding. I wish I would put the phone away or I wish I was more involved or engaged. And I would, I would say that I'm pretty involved and engaged and good at doing those things. But, you know, it's the expecting to be perfect or expecting to, to be that social media. Like, oh, yeah, I took my kids camping every weekend, you know, whatever it is. No, you didn't. You just posted that online. Right. And so it's, it's there for dads as well. But, um, you, you know, you said, you guys said coffee and chocolate, understanding of the daycare, helping to advocate, having these conversations, also normalizing, like Kelly said, acknowledging the feelings and then we're basically removing the power. Cause now that I'm able to say, Hey, I feel insufficient. And then Sarah says, uh, well, Jeremy, you no, know, you are the best daddy knows and you are really good. That kind of thing. It's like, okay, well, at least I have a, the other voice in my head saying, no, he's right. No, he's right. And so yeah. just having those conversations, like you said, reaching out, talking to somebody and not just venting online, uh, all really good stuff so far. So I think we've talked a little bit about some of the struggles. Do you have any anything else as far as like it's really a struggle for AT moms in general or this was a huge struggle for me? I know, Carrie, you mentioned missing a lot of stuff, but what other thoughts do you have as far as struggles being a mom and athletic trainer? How about breastfeeding, <laughs> uh, traveling with a football team and trying to pump or <laughs> take, that was uh, a struggle and, uh, uh, but fun to look back at now, the creativity that we have to come up with as moms to do things like that. It, it's, uh, <laughs> Right, yeah, so, that's huge. So, so give us some some tips right there, right? Because if there's a young mom, you know, a potential mom, and planning this, what are some of the things that you did that worked or didn't work? Oh gosh, well, um, I'm sure that the equipment out there is way more advanced than it was <laughs> 20 25 years ago. years ago. But um, gosh, yeah, traveling with the football team, it was funny because I'd have to, um, like, if we stopped to eat somewhere, I'd have to go find a plug-in in a restaurant or somewhere in a bathroom, you know, and I'll tell you what, in public bathrooms, there aren't plugins just right in there. They don't have plugins. And so um, there were times that I was running all over trying to find somewhere to pump and, and uh, it's more comical than, you know, when we'd get to the game and then when the boys would all go out to warm up, I would have that little, you know, 20 minutes of time, but you're only in the boys locker room 
because there's nowhere else we can go. <laughs> and so I would have to lock myself somewhere and pray that no boy came back and had to go to the bathroom or something during warm-ups. <laughs> Kelly, you but look it's like, like it's 20 times harder to pump when you're on a schedule. Like when you're like, oh my gosh, I have 20 minutes. It's like your body's like, mm, sorry. And you can't like, relax. Yeah. <laughs> You're not like relaxed. I do think um, just to piggyback onto electricity, like you almost have to have a handheld pump as like a, a backup because it's just not always available. Yeah. But I would say at least from a high school perspective, when you're actually in your building, I think any you know mom who's expecting athletic trainers should be able to go to their administration and say, hey, I need a space for this. And that should be yeah. granted, whatever that is, yeah. you know, with but electricity, but... But, you know, 20 years ago, that no, no, I know of that. I mean, I at school, I was in the girls locker room. And it's funny because kids don't know what that is. And they even just girls, they'll walk by and go, what the, what is she doing? <laughs> and then you have to bring them in, educate them. This is, this is what we do when we <laughs> can't breastfeed. You know, it's funny. I mean, it's good learning lessons for them. But um, for the, the boys side, I just prefer not even to have to have that conversation with them. But luckily I got by without ever having to, to do it. I made it work. The, I think the other thing I would say is if you're trying to balance um, athletic training, especially again in like a collegiate secondary setting where your schedule may ebb and flow as opposed to maybe if you're in a clinic and have like set hours, um, as hard as this is, I found that having not only feedings on a pretty rigid schedule as well as like pumping on a pretty rigid schedule so that I knew like if I was able to get home for a feeding at X time and I knew I was going to be home at 10, like the baby was going to be okay. And so I know scheduling's hard, but I did find at least for me, it was helpful to kind of have like a, a schedule, have the baby more scheduled. I think for me, especially at that age, um, so I, I was, I feel really fortunate that for, um, the first nine months of both of my kids life, they were literally with me. Um, and so I set up a pack and play in my office. Um, and then I brought the stroller to campus and baby Bjorn or whatever, <laughs> but basically had everything set up in my office. Um, and then if they were going to class with me, um, you know, just, making sure you had extra sets of clothes. And I think probably the hardest thing was just navigating if, you know, they had a, a blowout in the middle of class and how <laughs> you have to leave class to take care of that. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, thankfully my students were incredibly understanding. Um, and my hope was, you know, by them seeing that, you know, for particularly our female students, that they did recognize that it is okay to try to figure out a way to balance both being a mom and a professional. Um, so I'm hoping that that, you know, carried uh, over to them. Um, and certainly, I will say I could not have done the first nine months of both of my kids life without my students. Um, you know, particularly, you know, both of them, by six weeks, we were at district meetings, <laughs> and my students were amazing and, and helping me navigate, be a professional at the district meeting and do the service that I was doing, and also help with a six and eight week old child at those times. And, you know, being able to take them and just go for a walk so that I could do what I needed to do was, you know, I just feel really, really lucky that I had that support. And, you know, we say they're our AT family, they really are. Um, and now getting to see them go through the process of having kids themselves and, and navigating that, I think, is something that I really value. 
Yeah, on that note, I would tell new moms that people want to help you. You know, I don't feel bad about handing over your baby to, you know, they're they they want to be there and they want to help you and they want they want to hold the baby and so how to let them you know i go um some of my favorite and kelly you might have this too a lot of my former students are are back working in our district and or you know and have babies now and i call them my panther grandkids you know and i love you know just yesterday went out to soccer practice and our soccer coach has a a, a new baby and went out there and held him for quite a while until i had to go you know they understand that if i have to go pass them off, but I'll sit here and, you know, we, but understand as a new mom that people want to hold your baby and help you. So don't be afraid to let them and take a break and walk away. It's okay. Don't, don't be that helicopter mom that don't worry about it. They'll, the baby will be fine. And, and having raised my kids and you guys as well with, with other people, you know, in a big setting with lots of people around who wanted to hold them. Gosh, what a great experience for them to get so many different opinions and and experiences with so many other people yeah i totally agree and what a cool like there could be nothing better for future working moms than to see a working mom fail like balance your profession and motherhood and make them both a priority so kudos to you that's awesome Mm -hmm. choosing between being a mom or an athletic trainer so i've kind of talked to Alan Parcells about that being an Amazon AT so you know or being in the industrial setting and how that's really good for moms so then now the mom is having to choose basically between an office job or a, a job with sports for me working at Amazon would be a, a tough struggle because I like the sports I like that part of my job is going out and shooting hoops throwing the baseball catching up during practice uh, you know watching these athletes return being able to apply any sort of treatment that I want and not have not being limited to only, you know, giving out a bandaid or giving you instructions on how you can do this thing at home. Talk a little bit more about having to make that choice and, and women who are like, well, I can't have a family because I'm an athletic trainer because the job requires this, or, Hey, I need to figure out a different job. So talk to that. When I, I knew I wanted to be an athletic trainer before I knew I wanted to be a mom. I don't think being a mom was on my radar, but athletic training was one of the few uh, decisions I made at 18 that I was actually pretty confident I knew I wanted to do. When I got to Grand Valley, um, I think just because of the nature of the profession and and honestly, from where we are now to where we were, um, I was several times told, well, I I think you need to get a teaching certificate so that if, you know, you decide you want to become a mom, you have like another career to fall back on. Um, And I don't think I could have put words to it back then, um, except for I was just stubborn and like, I don't want to be a teacher. If I wanted to be a teacher, I would go, you know, into education. Um, But I look back on that now and think um, how very black and white that was, like you either do this or you do this. And then now, again, having years under my belt, I realized that if Jeremy and I were the same age and he would have probably gone to the same school, nobody would have said to him like, hey, I realize you have a teaching certificate, Jeremy, but if you didn't, nobody would have said to him, hey, you know, in case you wanna be a dad, you really need to like consider, you know, getting this other thing. Um, I think that athletic, training as a profession has grown to allow anybody with any type of schedule to be able to work. But I would say to a mom who wants to continue in secondary or collegiate, um, you, you don't have to choose. You don't. 
Um, there are ways to make it work. Um, my husband, when I wanted to uh, move to the high school I've been at now for 11 years, um, and, and I was nervous. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, but I'm gonna be there and this. And, you know, he just said, we're gonna make this work. Like, we're gonna make it work. And I'm not saying in every situation you can make it work, but I'm saying it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be, you're either this or you're this. So please, if you're a, um, a mom who, who wants to continue, at least investigate the opportunities, talk about them, understand that there are, um, it's not either or, it really isn't. And I, you know, I can say that now because I'm 25 years in and, and I've raised kids and yep, I've taken some time away and I've gone contingent for a little bit and things haven't always been, you know, great, but it doesn't have to be either or. I look at different options. Uh, when I was uh, pregnant, I, we, I went to my athletic director and, and with a proposal and we ended up uh, hiring another athletic trainer to job share with me. And so, and we tried different things, you know, we tried every other day, we tried mornings, afternoon, you know, we're switching up each day. We tried, you know, all different ways until we found something that made it work. And it was nice that the gal we hired was a single gal with no kids. And so she was flexible, but, but look, there, there's options out there. You know, I, I dropped down to 20 hours a week for um, a lot of my kids um, when they were babies. So there, there's other options too. If you if you want to cut your hours at work, you can you, you can do that. Just be be ready. Come up with a proposal and be ready to pitch it, and and uh, you can do it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just not being afraid to ask or have the conversation, and don't assume that you have to choose. But explore the resources that you have within your own school or setting, and then even just looking to other. Um, AT moms that have maybe done you know similar things and see what the how they navigated it. So, so that's interesting as we talk about uh, you know taking that twenty hour going to twenty hours a week or you know taking the FMLA the Family Medical Leave Act stuff um, because I I talked to Alex Auger I don't know two three years ago as we were kind of planning for our third but and I ended up taking FMLA so that I could take that time off um, to be there with my kids. Obviously, I return back to work relatively soon, um, but they're, they're just there's options. We have to plan ahead. You have to talk about that. You have to say, hey, what what can I do? How can I change? And, you know, one of the things that, that we did was, hey, I'm going to come in in the morning so that I'm not here late and I can be home for the harder part of the day for Sarah for, you know, this many weeks and, or I'm going to be completely off for this many weeks, that kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> just ask those questions beforehand. Don't wait until, till you're due next week to say, Hey, what can I do? Say, Hey, uh, I'm getting married. We're planning on starting a family. What is this going to look like? Can we work on a contract? Cause with Alex, they, they took the stipend or whatever it was that, his assistant was getting and they use that to pay the athletic trainer for the after school coverage, those kind of things. So there are, are options to make sure your job is handled, realizing that they're gonna get along without you. It may be, you know, crazy and backlogged when you get back, but they're gonna get along without you there. So I was thinking the same thing. We all think that the school can't run, athletics can't run without us, but 
guess what they can, but we don't want them to know that because they do just fine. <laughs> and also know that you're valuable to them. So, I mean, I realize there's that rare situation where it's a bad fit, but you're valuable to them. So they're going to want to work with you. You've, mm -hmm. You're value to them. Yeah. Larry Cooper mentioned in the AT dads one, since he has adult children with grandkids now, they something that they did and that his kids have kind of uh, kept going is pizza Fridays. So he would bring them up to the his his wife would bring the kids up to the school for so for Fridays they would she'd bring up some pizza and the kids and they would have dinner together. So that's that you care you talked about your husband did a lot of the nighttime routines. What are some of the things that you have done routines or traditions that you have established that incorporate your kids and your families? into your work to help build that relationship and, and make that a working situation? Mine was being able to have my kids as be involved in the team. You know, like I said, the kids were ball boys and bat boys and, and uh, always were right there with me as they, when they were older. Uh, we, I don't, I can't think of any actual routines or things that we had, you know, traditions that we had, but just having them there with me on Friday nights and being right there was, was our way to get them involved. We went on a couple trips with, you know, if the, we had a baseball team go to Orlando for Disney world for a baseball tournament and the kids were perfect age. So I said, coach, I think you need your athletic trainer to go along. And so the whole family went and that was a blast, you know, and we, we're supposed to go to Arizona um, last year and take the kids, but they got canceled, obviously. But um, but things like that, just involving them in, in your career. I would say we did similar um, when the boys were pretty little and it was doubles during football season. Uh, they would come up along with all the other coaches and I was the only athletic trainer, but all the kids would come up. They were all, you know, within a similar age frame and we would do dinner between the two practices. Um, and they were around a ton. And then as they got older, um, before they reached high school at Groves, uh, Friday night after games, we always went to a restaurant in Royal Oak called Dugan's. And so they always came with us and got their chicken strips or whatever and fries. And so just as much as, you know, we could involve them, we did. Yeah, I would say the same here. I think just whenever possible, if they can be there, I try to make sure that they're there and are, are part of what I'm doing. Doing this podcast, you're sharing your story and you're mentoring other people. And I'm sure that this is not the first time you've had these conversations with people. Like you said, you're getting young moms seeing you as a professional, Dr. Moody, or Carrie, you get the teenage girls getting to watch you pump you know, in the locker room, those kind of things. So you're getting to be the mentor. Who has been a mentor for you as a mom and also as a athletic trainer mom? I didn't have an athletic trainer mom mentor because I didn't know anybody back then who had kids that I could call and ask for advice. So I would say the, the, my friends who are still friends who were moms before me, who helped, you know, babysit if, if my husband was on duty you know, for that was an interesting dynamic because he was, you know, would work 24 hours at a time on duty at the fire station. And so if, if it happened to fall on a Friday night, I'd have to find somebody for my babies to stay the night with because <laughs> I'd be gone too late. But so just my friends being um, mom role models. And, and then I would say, obviously, my own mom, I was raised in a really busy household that, you know, 
my parents were involved with so many things, uh, volunteered in the community and were in all sorts of, you know, organizations and, and things. And so that they were role model to me that you can be involved and give back and do all sorts of things and, and still be able to raise a family and, and, and do a good job at it, at your job and your, you know, volunteerism and, and everything. So that would be my mentors. I'd say for mine, uh, two AT moms come to mind. Um, when I was in my undergraduate program at Northern Colorado, um, Shannon Courtney was uh, the head athletic trainer as well as the program director. And she was in the throes of raising her children um, and they were very young. And she uh, you know, brought them into the athletic training facility um, oftentimes before um, we were doing treatments, you know, we could come in and babysit and help in the mornings. And so I think from a very early point in my profession, I was able to see how that worked and how she was able to integrate her family and bring them and make them part of what she does on a day-to-day -day basis. And then moving into my uh, graduate work, both my master's and doctoral work, um, working with Mickey Cuppet, and she too was raising her family through the process and seeing how she navigated um, that as a professional and heavily involved in service and um, running programs, it, it just also helped me see how it could be done. And so I think both of those individuals have really heavily influenced um, maybe how I've in turn have tried to influence others. And then like Carrie said, you know, my own mom too, she's a working professional and she was a single mom for a long time and then um, eventually remarried and just seeing how she's been able to navigate raising her children and and uh, they turned out okay, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, so too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, so she's obviously been uh, a tremendous resource for me and just you know, my family in general has amazing women. So I, I feel really lucky to have great role models. So I, um, I had one particular coworker um, who ended up being a single mom. Um, she had a baby a few years ahead of my oldest. Um, and, you know, watching her navigate it, she, she did pretty quickly decide she needed to leave the profession. Um, but just those few years, I got to watch her navigate that um, and see her bring her little run around and even navigate, like, you know, the, the hospital we worked for, you know, decided like that could no longer happen. She couldn't bring them. And, and her advocating for herself as a mom and her hours really kind of empowered me. And so um, my friend Cindy, just watching her navigate that. But much like you, Carrie, not a lot of moms uh, in front of me, but I did have friends who were a little bit ahead of me in the parenting journey. And, um, you know, they, they could remind me that I was a great mom or remind me that, you know, this too was going to pass or we were going to figure it out and, and be helpful if I needed last minute, you know, help in, in one way or another. And so I think, um, you know, there were tons of, tons of friends I had that were moms who really mentored me as well. You know, I, the first gal I job shared with, shout out Kyla, she's a, has gone on to be a PA now, but she was a single gal and she learned me how, she taught me how to say no in the job setting. She, you know, we would do things and she'd be like, she was younger. And so she, you know, she'd say, no, Carrie, we don't need to do, no, we need to put this in our contract that we're not going to do this and we're not going to do that. And she really, she, I still look back and, and think about, you know, 
I'm thankful for her that was the one that said, no, we're not doing that. Tell them we're not doing, you know, you don't need to come in at that time and we're not doing, you know, so she really taught me how to say no. And I think you need somebody that gives you permission to say no also. Yeah. One of, um, you know, in our conference, we have um, two off the top of my head that I can think of that are, are young moms um, have young ones. They're not necessarily super young. But just watching, uh, you know, kind of on Twitter, how they post like their schedule and they're very, you know, um, uh, boundaried in, in how they work their contracts. And so I have just a ton of hope for the future of athletic training is, mm-hmm. is, um, you know, all athletic trainers, but especially women are getting, um, getting better at advocating for ourselves and in the things that we need for our families and, and for our schedule. All right. As we wrap it up, I want you to leave us with either a funny, funny story, a word of encouragement, or a warning. So you get to pick. So pick one of those things. So while I do that, while you're while you're thinking there, again I, on social media, I'm Mr. Jeremy Jackson. This is SportsMedicineBroadcast.com/slash/atmoms with Dr. Valerie Moody, with Carrie Wood and Kelly Salter. So you got either a warning, a word of encouragement, or a funny story to close this out. Who wants to start? I've got, I've got a warning and a funny story, which is combined into one. When I, my first, when my daughter was born, I went back to the school when she was, I think she was six weeks old and um, just to check my mail and, you know, check in at the office and show her off. And, and at lunchtime, one of the baseball players um, came in and said, oh my gosh, can I take her out to the commons area where all the kids were? And I thought, okay, you know, sure. I, it would be a chick magnet for him, you know, to have a baby. I figured, oh, it's not going to hurt anything. Well, he, believe it or not, 17-year-old kid decides to take my baby, six weeks old, put her in the car and go home to his house, which was just a few blocks away because they had bought her an outfit and they wanted to put her in it and surprise me. So meanwhile, <laughs> the school, the, the lunch bell rings and they're supposed to be back in class and I can't find him anywhere. And I'm starting to panic, you know, first time mom and running all over looking for my baby. <laughs> Finally, they come back and they're, and of course is saying what he says, well, Carrie, we want to put her in a new outfit and we, we took her and we, we tried and she, she wouldn't stop crying. So I just kind of was shaking her a little bit and I was like, what? And he goes, no, I mean like just bouncing her and shaking her. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh. I mean, kudos that he was brave enough to take a six week old baby and try to was so sweet that he wanted to put her in an outfit and surprise me but oh my gosh so warning that kids are braver than you think and they might steal your baby (laughs) but uh, we still laugh about that story to this day (laughs) his mom was mortified by the way she called me and crying i can't believe he did that (laughs) (laughs) so top that (laughs) yeah i'm Kind of wishing you would have gone last. I think mine's a little bit of encouragement, you know, just with a story. Um, I was pregnant with my first son um, working for University of Michigan Dearborn, uh, which is the smaller campus of U of M, um, specifically with a volleyball program. And our head coach was, um, he was like an outdoor adventure guy. So backpacking all summer and all of that. And he had decided that the team trip that year was going to be um, seven days of backpacking in the Adirondack Mountains. Um, and so I really wanted to go because, I mean, AI got paid to go. It was free to go. I'd never backpacked before. And I thought, what a cool experience. I think I was just shy of six months pregnant. Um, so I talked to my you know, OB and he was like, yeah, you can go. And so um, 
spent seven beautiful days backpacking, which was 800 times harder than I had ever imagined. And I had zero sympathy for any of the girls who needed treatment. Cause I was like, I'm pregnant. Like, I don't even want to hear that you're like, whatever. Um, Fast forward a little bit. When we got back, they threw me a little baby shower and they bought my son his very first pair of Timberland hiking boots uh-huh. and a photo frame that they nicknamed him Thor because he had survived the backpacking trip. Um, and now fast forward and, and my son's 21. Um, I guess my encouragement is whatever you as a mom um, want to accomplish, whatever you, uh, whatever you're, you're dreaming up, um, don't sell yourself short because you can start uh, – before they're ever in the womb and, and you can follow it through and, and whatever you're doing as a mom uh, is, is good enough for the little guys or girls that you've been um, given. You're doing a great job. Yeah, I would echo, I think, you know, just knowing that you're enough um, and that you, what you are doing, you just show up every day, do your best and it, it's enough for them. Um, and I think the other piece I would add is just, you know, get champions in your corner and, Certainly doing this the whole time, you know, I'm thinking you know, I, I couldn't do anything that I am doing in the profession and as a mom without my husband and, yeah. you know, just the support that he has given me, um, his job requires him to travel a lot. He's usually gone four months of the year traveling, but, um, you know, when he's here, he's in it and he's, you know, trying to help as much as possible to take off the load. And, you know, when he has to be away, then it just, it just that dynamic. We were a really great team and we work well together in that capacity and, you know, just find somebody that can be a champion for you and what you're doing. And um, whether it's a significant other or a family or friend or whoever that's going to be, but get the champions in your corner to support you along the way. You can't do it alone. And, um, there's just a lot of great resources to help you. So, all right, and then Shai, it looks like Shai Lynn Hyde or Hade or she said Hey Val. So, and then Dr. Ann Hester watching live on Facebook, uh, just saying no limits. Great job, AT moms. So, thanks for those listening live. Carrie Wood, she's been on the podcast multiple times, so you could search her on the podcast website and find her, especially when we're talking about the mental health and. Those kind of things. But Carrie, best way to reach out and get a hold of you is uh, my email address, Carrie.wood at redmanschools.org. All right. And hey, I just want to say thank you for I, I didn't and this is probably a bad thing as a woman. I didn't realize that National International Women's Day was coming right up. And I saw that this morning on your tweet and I was like, Oh my gosh, what an honor that <laughs> that you thought of us and thank you for um just in general recognizing International Women's Month. You're welcome. Thanks for being part of it. You're one of our champions. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Moody, the very best way to get a hold of you. Valerie.moody at umontana.edu. All right. And my friend Kelly Salter. Yeah, email ksalter at birmingham.k12.mi.us. And then she's probably not going to tell you, but Cookie Tuesday on Instagram is yes. also Kelly. And she sent me cookies twice and uh, just loving and encouraging notes. So it'd be like every Tuesday I bake. Yeah. Every Tuesday she got some sort of cookies to bake in and sending them out to someone. It's not baking them just so she can eat them. It's baking them to encourage others. So just like we've been talking about. What's your Instagram handle? I'm going to have to follow it now. So it's at cookie underscore Tuesday. Okay. Yep. And Thanks, Jeremy. The cookie, the cookies are good, <laughs> and we didn't share them with the kids. So, <laughs> all right. And 
one of my partners is free uh, as hoist hydration. So we have a, a large CPR event where actually on March 10th, we're going to train the whole sophomore class in CPR. We're not certifying them, just training them, but hoist is sending me a uh, drink for the volunteers. Cause we have about 50 people who come from the community, like local hospitals and things like that to help be part of teaching them uh, CPR and stop the bleed and AED and conscious choking. And then, what to do when you call 911. So Hoist is helping provide some hydration product for that. And I personally love them, uh, especially right now where we're still sometimes boiling water uh, down here in, in Houston because our pipes are busted and things like that. I, I really enjoy Hoist Hydration. So if you're going to check it out, use the code DSMB and it'll save you some. So for Dr. Valerie Moody, for Carrie Wood, Kelly Salter, and Jeremy Jackson, the Sports Medicine Broadcast. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash ATMoms, and that is a wrap. Thanks.